we have an incredibly easy verse. Well, it's easy in reading. It's a little harder to unpack. But one verse, Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for this time to be together as brothers and sisters. And Lord, now I pray that our hearts and our minds are open for your spirit. May your spirit enter into us and work in us and transform us more into you. It's in your sins that we pray. Amen. Be seated. So I saw this last week, and I thought it went really well, but there was a congressman who, in an interview, said this, you can't even lie to Congress or lie to an FBI agent or they're coming after you. Sounds like a congressman. But I heard the statement, and I wasn't real sure what to do with it, because I think we can all agree here today that lying is bad, right? Right? Just shake your head, yes. At least let my kids see that you said lying is bad. So the text for this morning reads this way. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord. Another way we may know this, and if you had a grandmother like my Nana, you don't use the Lord's name in vain. Period. It's kind of how we've always applied the third commandment to our lives. It's the words we used. So long as we keep from saying God's name or attach God's name to anything else, and yes, as Christians, keeping Jesus' name the same way, everything is okay. We are not using the Lord's name in vain. So it should be that simple, right? Well, if anything, I hope and I pray that we've come to realize that commandments may be a bit more than just a simple thing in our life. Hopefully, we begin to see that there are layers of this forming work of the commandments on the life of the people. I mean, when we really think about it, what's in a name? What does it mean for God to give the people God's name? Yahweh. Because names are important when you think about it. I mean, we just don't tell someone our name unless we're willing to also reveal to that person who we are behind that name. There is something intimate in the relationship with someone when we're willing for them to know who we are. Case in point, I can remember when Laurie and I were naming our kids. And maybe you remember this. Anna Lee was probably the hardest one to name. Partly because she was first. But Laurie and I scoured all the names. And maybe you did. I mean, we got on the internet and was like, all girls' names for 2000s. Popular girls' names for 2006. Which was a little weird. Um, and what we began to do is we began to critique all the names. She would call out a name. Laurie would call out a name. And I would immediately push back on that name. Why? Because someone I grew up with in high school or someone I went to college with, like Chris, you know, that name would come up and you would go, no, that just sounds bad. <laughs> there it is. I mean, you, we had this like name and it was linked to a story. I mean, it got as bad as... 
Laurie would say a name, and I was like, we can't do that. Why? Because in elementary school, that girl picked her boogers. And I don't want my daughter to be that, as if she's going to be that, right? But we linked these two together. And so it finally landed on the name Anna Lee, which was a family name on both sides. Anna was a family name on my side. Lee was a family name on Laurie's side. It was also Laurie's middle name. And so what's better than that, right? She will represent everything good about both of us. And she does. Let's be honest. She is the best representative of our family. And as I've said many a times, she is my daughter, who I am well pleased. But that's what's in a name. And so held within the Exodus is God revealing God's self to a particular group of people, this people of Israel, and in giving the people God's name, Yahweh, God is disclosing, God is revealing who God was and who God is and who God is to come. God's name and the name of Jesus that we, in particular, that we go, that we think about, is linked to a particular God of concrete actions within history. We pray to Jesus. We invoke the name of Jesus because of who Jesus was and who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what Jesus continues to do in history. The people of God, and notice I said there, went for the people of Israel to the people of God who invoke the name of God, are given the gift of this name. And Paul tells us this in Romans 8, 15-17. For you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. Catch that word. When we cry, what? Abba, Father. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with who? Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So we are given this gift of a name, which also means that there are certain obligations and implications that come with it. There is an expectation that we will be the people of that name given to us. And as we are reading the commandments, God is asking the people for their total self, for their total loyalty, for all devotion. And if God is asking that, then the expectation would be that the people would begin to look, act, and speak differently. They would, in fact, be representatives of the name God is now placing upon them. The shape of the people is being molded by God, by the God who, as we saw last week, speaks audaciously and claims God and God alone. And so God from the beginning of Exodus is beginning to reveal God's self to Moses as we begin to see in Exodus 3, 13 and 14. And we're going to have some uh, verses here because I just can't give you one verse. Uh, But God said to Moses, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, 
I am has sent you. So in this moment, as the Israelites who have been in captivity for 400 years are trying to figure out what Moses is doing, Moses says, here is the name of God. This is the one who is revealing God's self to you. And as God redeems the people from Egypt, God is revealing God's self to both the people who will bear his name and to Egypt, as we see in Exodus 9.16, as God speaks, he says, but this is why I have let you live, to show you my power and to make what? My name resound through all the earth. The third commandment calls for an embodying of the ways and the being of God. The name of God is God's. And the people have witnessed through Exodus, the power and love of that name. And they will witness it in Exodus, they will witness it in the wilderness, and they will soon witness it in the promised land. All of this to say, we are the people who claim to know God, but not on some cursory level. This is the God who gave us God's name and said, it's yours. And you are mine. The third commandment actually protects God's name. It protects God's name from being whatever we want it to be. The third commandment, when actually translated from the Hebrew, it says it this way. It says, you shall not lift up the name of Yahweh, your God, to worthlessness. That word, that word shah, that Hebrew word shah, and I like how Christopher White explains it. He explains it this way. He says it signifies something empty or worthless that is often used in association with evil or troublemaking intentions. Did you catch that on that word Shaw? It's maybe more than just taking the name of the Lord in vain. More than maybe speech. More than maybe using bad language. Now, before my Nana comes and haunts me, it's all part of it. But it may not be the whole part of it. God desires for the name of God to be known throughout the world. It is what our mandate is. I mean, we quote the Great Commission all the time. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That mandate assumes something. It assumes that as the people of God, we will be a witness to the goodness, to the blessing, and to the salvation of God. And so if that's the case, then there's also an inverse. If, if the community called and given the name of God does the opposite of what God has called us to and what God has showed us to and how God has saved us, then there's a problem. If the community does things in word and in deed to detract from the name of God, if the community finds ways to become a source of hatred instead of love, judgment instead of listening, ungraciousness instead of gracious, then the community becomes the opposite of what it's called to be. The name of God was supposed to be light. It was supposed to be a source of blessing and love, as Numbers 6, 27 tells us. It is why most if not all of us, are in here today. Because the name of God is a source of blessing. It is a source of love. It is a source of acceptance. Because that's what it means to us. 
It is who God is. We believe that God is love, that God is salvation. And we witness that in the person of Christ. And so therefore, we try to be Christ to everyone, to our neighbors and to the world. And so this third commandment, the other two that we read last week, are pressing into us a way of being in the world. The third commandment makes a claim on our lives that Yahweh God impinges on us and is creating a different community in God's name. Stanley Hauerwas said it this way, the commandments are first about the kind of people we ought to be. And the sort of deeds one might expect from people who are formed on the basis of the story of Jesus. The commandments keep reminding us that ethics are not so much what ought I do, but rather what ought I, what ought I to be now that God has invaded the words, has invaded the world as Jesus. Questions about what to do are only intelligible against the background of a story. So we now say, what ought I be because of Jesus? To think about the third commandment this way, then it begins to encompass everything. It encompasses how we worship and how that worship informs us and how that worship informs our living in the world. As I talked about last week, when we come to worship the God who saved and redeemed us in Jesus Christ, our desires, our sins, our corruptness are laid bare before the cross. And therefore, any worship that has become empty can be seen as lifting the Lord's name in worthlessness. Any worship that's done in mechanics in some ways or in a way of pointing fingers or other things, a worship that doesn't open us to the Spirit and what the Spirit wants for us can be seen as using the Lord's name in vain. It encompasses how we speak in terms of promises, oaths, and yes, even truth-telling. And we'll get back to that in the Ninth Commandment. When we swear an oath with the name of God, well, don't lie. Maybe it's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes and your no be no. As Christians who proclaim the name of Christ from our lips, there is no need for an oath because our very words should be seasoned with the fear of the Lord. There is no haphazard speech from the Christian's lips. Truth-telling matters. In the life of the Christian, get this, words matter. How we speak to one another matters. And so we can go as far as how we speak to each other, never invoking God's name, can be using the Lord's name in vain. God is the God throughout the time who has been acting. God has given God's people His name. The people of God know God through all the works that he has done. God will be made known to the world through and in the people. So God has given us God's name. And for the people who know God's name, who invoke God's name, they will now embody that name to the world. We who are called by Christ, who are claimed by Christ, who are claimed in the name of Christ, who call on the name of Christ each and every day in our prayers, must come to the realization that the world will know Christ through what you do, not just what you say. They both work together. So therefore, using the Lord's name in vain can be through what you say. It can also be through what you do. And therefore, God can't be who we just think we want God to be. We don't get to make up God's name and say this is who God is. As one theologian says, and I love what he says, is he says, 
We can't make God mean anything we want. We know how God is. We have read the scriptures. We see how God works in history. We see what Christ calls upon our life, how Christ gives us his name. And in that, we can't just make up who we want God to be. We are the people of the God who is raised from the dead, the one who went to the cross and redeemed the world. So therefore, lifting up the name of God to worthlessness may be more than just a correct form of speech. The call of Christ upon our lives, and by the way, placing the name of Christ on our doors and signs should mean something. When we see it, it should remind us that we are a certain type of people who talk a certain way, who act a certain way, who treat people a certain way. It's more than just having the name on the door. Because we can have the name on the door and not act like Jesus. And people will see it differently. It carries with it an obligation on our part to be a witness to Jesus. And the heavy part is everything we do and everything we say will carry the name of God. We bear the name of God in every word and every deed. When you leave here today and go sit down at a restaurant, you bear the name of God to your waitress. When you go to work tomorrow, you will bear the name of God to your co-workers. When you see your neighbors here in a little while, you will bear the name of God to your neighbors in however you act, not just word. So how are we doing? That's my question. As I read this, I kept saying, how are we doing? If using the Lord's name in vain is more expansive than we think, I wonder how we're doing as God's witnesses to the world. When we take up the weight of the name of God upon us, there becomes nothing trivial about how we speak and talk in the world. It matters. Our speech matters. Our doings matter. We, the church, have been given a weighty task to bear the name of of Christ to the world. And in a society where words and deeds are rationalized, words are empty, they're used and then thrown out, people will say something and be like, oh, well, I was just kidding. God says, be careful. Because even in the kidding, you're bearing my name. In all of this, in a world that where words and deeds are rationalized, emptied, and deceitful, the people of God are to be the truth-tellers. And in the end, the name of Christ given to us is more than just a name or a branding tool. It is a way of life for us. It means something. The world will come to know the name of God. The world will come to know who God is through your, our words and actions. So the third commandment may be a little bit harder than we thought. No one said it was easy, but we bear the name of Christ on us. We hold the name of Christ close. It brings salvation to us, and we believe salvation to the world. So maybe we need to be living, more than just saying, living as such. Because the world, our neighbors, this community, gets its picture of God, whether we like it or not, in everything we do. And so therefore, if we're not careful, we might not ever say God's name in vain, but our life may be one in which is taking God's name in vain. And that's heavy.
So maybe this third commandment and these two that we've read before are trying to do something to us, form us, transform us more into the people that God has called us to be. And the good news is, Jesus keeps working on us in the Spirit to let us look at all the things in our life and maybe even say, oof, that was a rough day yesterday. I didn't say anything bad, but boy, I did use the Lord's name in vain. And Jesus says, all right, get up. You got another day. Let's do it better today. And there's the good news. If you have any needs this morning, if you have any struggles, if you need prayers, um, if you're just trying to make it through this day, we got people here who will sit down and listen and talk to you. Uh, but we'll have elders up front during this time as we sing. But come now as we stand as we sing.